there's just so many potential catalysts um, and, and factors that are going to impact the gold and silver markets that I do think 2022 is going to see higher prices for both of them. The precious metals have been stuck in a trading range for a long while now. Will they break out of it soon? And if so, which way will they break? And what will that mean for gold and silver mining stocks? To provide answers to all of these questions, as well as as price predictions for gold and silver in 2022, and to tell us how to access his latest top mining stock picks, Jeff Clark returns to the program. Jeff, it's great to see you again. Thanks so much for joining us. It's great to be back with you, Adam. Yes, it could be an exciting year for gold and silver. We'll see. All right. Well, let's dive right into that then. Um, so let's start talking about the prices of gold and silver first. Um, as I mentioned, they've been stuck in a trading range now for nearly two years, as shown in this chart by Crescent Capital, tracking the gold price. Tavi Costa, who created this chart, he drew the yellow lines here, showing his opinion that the price of gold has been compressing in what he calls a bullish pennant, one that he thinks will break out to the upside. Do you share Tavi's opinion? Uh, yes. I mean, I don't use technical analysis per se to predict where I think things might go or why, um, but that's undeniable that it has been compressing. A lot of technical analysts have pointed that out. Uh, and then you look at the fundamental side, there's just so many potential catalysts um, and, and factors that are going to impact the gold and silver markets that I do think 2022 is going to see higher prices for both of them. All right, great. And if you want a, a really detailed romp through a lot of those fundamental reasons, um, I just mentioned Tavi Costa of Crescent Capital. I did a video with him about two months ago that went really deep through a lot of his charts on that stuff. Uh, you can watch that video by clicking here if you haven't seen it already. But Jeff, when you talk about the fundamentals, what are some of the ones that, that are most compelling to you that make you think that, that gold and silver may reprice higher from here? Well, the obvious one would be inflation not being transitory. Uh, in my opinion, I think if you look at 2021, a lot of uh, analysts in the mainstream, economists, uh, institutional investors, they believe the inflation is transitory narrative. And so why buy gold if, and silver if inflation is going to be transitory, right? And you look back at 2021 and more capital went into stocks uh, than the last 20 years combined, according to one source. Now, I haven't independently verified that, but there's no doubting that if that much cash went into the stock market, well, that means that much less came into the gold market. So for those reasons, it really wasn't too surprising that, that they were weak last year. Uh, but we all know now inflation is not transitory. We're starting to see gold and silver react to that a little bit. The other issue is a lot of people assume that when the Fed raises rates, well, that's going to be bad for gold because uh, gold doesn't pay interest and rates are higher now. So that's bad for gold. Well, first of all, it's obviously the real interest rate, as I think your audience knows, it's the real interest rate that really counts for gold and silver. But if you look back the past four rate hike cycles and even go back into the 70s, the last 10 or 12, however many there have been, um, gold has more often than not responded favorably to rate hike cycles, believe it or not. So it's more likely that gold is going to rise 
after the initial rate hike, which we assume is going to come in March, then it's going to fall. So uh, that's just two things right there that tell me that you know this year is probably going to be different. And of course, half the time it's, it's it's something unexpected, right? It's a black swan that comes out of nowhere and uh, can ignite the price. So I'm I'm very bullish on gold and silver for, for 2022. All right, um, I want to I want to make one comment about the inflation part, but before I do, real quick. Um, I just got off an interview uh, with Doomberg um, talking about uh, the you know breakages in the supply chain you know over the past year and a half that have been contributing so greatly to inflation um, because of price shortages and things like that. Um, and we've heard about that with a lot of key commodities. You know, right now, for example, the world is basically in a massive tug of war over um, natural gas supply, liquid natural gas supply, right? You got China and Europe basically, you know, fighting for tankers that are, you know, on the oceans right now. Um, are there any potential supply chain disruptions going on in gold or silver uh, that might actually put some upward pressure on price as well? I don't know the answer to this, but I know that you talk to a lot of mining companies here. Uh, yeah, probably the bigger concern for them is uh, the potential rise in inflation, the cost that, of materials that they have to procure in order to mine, right? The obvious one being oil. They use a lot of uh, diesel. Uh, their material costs are higher. I saw one report that uh, mining about 50% of mining companies are experiencing higher inflation in their cost to operate a mine. The other 50% haven't seen it or aren't reporting it. Um, so inflation could impact them as well. Uh, bottom line, this is a pressure point that it's going to build the price of gold itself higher, right? Uh, but they are experiencing some of that uh, sooner or later, even though the, the, those that are claiming it's not, sooner or later, it's going to impact them as well. Um, that forces all prices higher, including the price of gold and silver. All right, Jeff, thanks for providing that clarity. Um, I, I, I also want to mention something that uh, I've, I've been hearing from several different sources recently, one of them being Rick Rule, um, one of them being from one of our common investors, uh, your business and mine, uh, Jeff, um, that uh, there is so much capital out there in the bond market right now that is looking at these negative real interest rates and you know, just mathematically saying, I am going to be getting a negative return on my bond investment going forward. And, and for those that don't know, the bond market is substantially larger than the stock market. Um, and both of those are gargantuanly larger than the, the gold market. And the gold market is gargantuanly larger than the silver market. Right. And my point is, is that if you have all of this capital in bonds, that's basically saying, we're going to get a raw deal going forward. Maybe we should go somewhere else. Um, it doesn't take a, much at all of that capital going into gold or especially silver to really have a, a dramatic upwards impact on pricing, correct? Oh, absolutely. The gold and silver markets are, are small compared to those other asset classes you mentioned. Silver is infinitesimally smaller than them, right? So it doesn't take a lot of capital. Um, I've spent a lot of time in the past talking about, you know, how much capital uh, Warren Buffett has, uh, Apple has, just their cash alone is like a hundred times bigger than the silver market. So uh, it won't take a lot. And we've seen that in the past. We saw it in the 1970s twice, 
when a lot of capital came into the gold and silver market. We saw from 2009 to 2011. We saw it uh, for the first half of 2016 when uh, these negative bond rates became a reality. People reacted, institutional investors reacted and went into gold and silver. They both popped pretty good the first half of that year. So yes, when this happens, when especially the institutional crowd comes into the gold and silver markets, we will see uh, the prices elevate quite a bit. All right. So um, now let's really get to the meat of the price discussion here. You recently published uh, your 2022 price forecasts for both gold and silver. So based upon that recent work, what can you tell us about where things are headed this year? Well, I honestly hate- And that comes with a price guarantee, right? A money back price guarantee. (laughs) Yeah, right. I, I hate doing these, you know, because you have to give a price and a time frame, and that's just rot with opportunity to be wrong, right? But people like them, and the research is valuable because you find out what other people are thinking and why they're thinking that, right? So it can all be good. So, but I, I do see prices uh, going higher for both gold and silver in 2022, as I said. I think the minimum high we'll see is 2100. Uh, with without a crisis, I think we get to 22, 2300. With a crisis, it could be 2500, maybe even higher. Who knows? But the likelihood of gold moving higher, in my humble opinion, is about 90 percent for 2022. And then for silver, it's uh, similar. I see prices going higher there. I think we get back to 30 at some point. Um, without a crisis, with a crisis, we could easily get back to, you know, it's all time high of $50. So it obviously depends on how things play out this year. Um, But I do think the important message for me is that regardless of whether it happens in 2022 or not, this is really the place to be. All other asset classes, as Mike Maloney spent a lot of time pointing out, right, are elevated they're, they're overvalued. They're in outright bubbles, despite some of the pullbacks and some of those things. Um, the only thing that's not overvalued right now is gold and silver. And the kind of climate we have is ripe for some type of event that is going to force investors to come back into this industry. And uh, again, whether that happens this year or next year, um, you know, to me, the fuse is lit. Let's put it that way. Uh, and it's going to be a fun time for those of us that own gold and silver, I think. All right. And just reiterate something I say an awful lot on this channel, um, especially when it comes to the precious metals, uh, but really for any sort of investment thesis is um, repricing events tend to be uh, you know, swift and severe, whether to the upside or the downside. Um, you know, if it's a, if it's a, a mispricing that the market suddenly wakes up to, and so if you want to take advantage of that, you have to be positioned beforehand. Once it actually starts, oftentimes you've missed the big gains and you find yourself chasing prices, and prices sort of tend to overcorrect, and so you may actually end up losing money as the the ultimate overcorrection happens. Yeah, so, that's especially true with silver. Adam, sorry to interrupt you, but that's especially true with silver. It it, it spikes very suddenly, sometimes without warning. And uh, so not only is the price moving up rapidly, but then the premiums move up as well because demand goes higher, right? Uh, And and then you have a supply issue where uh, it may take you longer to actually get delivery of that metal uh, unless you're putting it in storage. 
than it would otherwise. So uh, it's really important to be, even though you may have to wait, we've been waiting for a year and a half or two years now for silver. You may have to wait, but when it happens, you'll be very glad that you're, you're positioned properly. Yeah. And, you know, understandably, you hear a lot of, you know, precious metal investors who, you know, bought a while ago say, you know, I've just been sitting here. It hasn't been doing much or it's come down a little bit. And again, look, there's no guarantees in this universe. But um, if what Jeff is talking about actually does transpire, that's almost sort of just the cost of getting into the opportunity is you got to hold it beforehand and you don't know how long you're going to have to hold it before that repricing event happens. But if it indeed does happen, then you are more than happy to have taken that, you know, initial sort of disappointing performance to get those big gains um, rather yeah, than miss out it, on those gains entirely. It's important to understand silver's DNA too. This is really true with silver, even more so than gold. Its DNA is very clear. It's a boring, boring, boom. Boring, boring, boom. It does that repeatedly. You can go back in history and look at this. I've documented this. There's been a, a dozen of these huge spikes in silver. Uh, up until that spike occurs, the price really just sits there. It's stagnant. Uh, and then it ignites. And so that just argues that, you know, from history, we know another spike is coming and, and that you need to be positioned before it happens. All right, Jeff, and I'm not going to ask you a question. I think I've asked you many times in the past, um, but I'm sure it's still in the mind of viewers here. So you talked about how looking across the landscape of, of asset classes, particularly financial assets, you're seeing most things at kind of all-time high record levels of valuation or maybe even record levels of overvaluation. But in your words, except the precious metals. Why have the precious metals not gotten swept up in the the enthusiasm of the past you know year and a half particularly when gold especially is billed as the inflation hedge and inflation has finally started raging why is the party so late in coming to gold i think part of it is what i said earlier that um a lot of people a lot of investors believe that inflation was transitory they they accepted that message they believed it if it is transitory, well, why do I need an inflation hedge? Inflation is going to come right back down. So I think that explains part of it. Uh, in the bigger picture, we have seen this happen before where uh, gold and silver are surrounded by catalysts and, and they, they just didn't respond. Uh, you go back to the 1970s and, and gold and silver had this huge drawdown for about two years in the middle of that decade, surrounded by catalysts as many as we have now. And yet the price fell. Uh, it eventually responded because things built up, the steam built in the kettle more and more, right? And eventually blew the lid off and, and the prices did respond. That's the kind of environment I think that we have that is similar to today. And I think we'll have a similar outcome as well at some point. All right. And so um, let's presume we do. And um, uh, you, know, you want to own gold and silver, as we talked about. Um, in advance of that. Um, but now, you know, if, if, if you want to position yourself to really profit from that repricing uh, as materially as, as you can, um, then you really want to look at the mining companies, right? Because they're levered plays on the underlying metals. I know this is really sort of where your true passion lies. You spend a lot of time talking to management, evaluating these companies, their drill results, their financials, et cetera. Um, so, uh, I guess on a high level, what is your assessment right now of the prospects of the precious metals mining sector? The mining stocks are historically undervalued still. 
even though uh, my personal portfolio has done well, and I can show you that in a minute, but um, they're still historically undervalued, almost no matter how you measure it, relative to uh, gold itself or silver itself, relative to their historic uh, uh, prices in the past, relative to the stock market, uh, almost any way you measure it, uh, and many others have pointed this out as well, it's not just me, that mining stocks as a group are historically undervalued. So it's definitely not too late to participate and, and be in that sector. Uh, I think the next few years are going to be uh, potentially very, very profitable and very, very fun for those of us that are long. Great. And yeah, you, you've seen some of the past cycles in this industry. Um, and honestly, it's been a fair amount of time since the last cycle. I mean, I think people have been waiting, you know, a better part of a decade for the miners really to come back to life here. But when they do have a run, um, I guess two questions. One, can you give people sort of a sense of the scope of the opportunity when the miners really take off? Um, and uh, well, let's start with that. Well, when you're historically undervalued, that means the opportunity is uh, bigger than normal. Uh, even to just return to the mean, uh, you mentioned Rick Roll. He, you know, he sees the gold market returning to the mean uh, relative to other assets, which means he sees gold and silver, or excuse me, gold doubling or tripling over the next you know few years. Uh, Miners are a leveraged play on that, I think, as most investors know. So if they're going, if gold's going up two or three X, then the miners are going to go up anywhere from three to five X, and some of the juniors will go 10 X. So uh, the opportunity is really quite astounding, especially when, again, you look at where other assets are valued. There just isn't, everything's overvalued or in an outright bubble. This is the only asset class. I mean, that I can find that really offers, you know, true undervaluation and is ripe for, uh, uh, you know, a big price rise here coming in the near term. So uh, I, I like where I'm positioned. Let's put it that way. All right. Great. And of course, you've got lots of, of company, I, uh, many people that I interview. Um, and it's interesting because I do not bring them on. This is not a requirement to bring them on in any, any way, shape or form. In fact, I usually don't know their perspective on the precious metals. Uh, but when they, you know, I ask them about sort of their general investment advice to the viewers, you know, the vast majority that have come to gold and silver and the miners, you know, are particularly held out there as a particularly high potential, currently undervalued sector. Um, Bill Fleckenstein was just on, you know, reiterating that you can still buy you know, really high quality mining companies right now um, at valuation metrics like you used to see back in the 1980s. He mentioned one company, West Dome, that was, uh, I think, trading at like an eight PE, even though it had a lot of really positive developments going on right now. So, um, you know, you compare that to the, you know, PEs of a hundred times or a thousand times in some of these speculative mm -hmm. tech stocks are obviously, you know, infinite PEs because a lot of those companies don't have any real earnings, right? So um, it just seems to be, you know, to your point, a lot of really uh, aberrantly, uh, you know, under underpriced uh, value there right now. Um, so real quick, the, you mentioned you've seen sort of past booms in the sector, the way that sort of the, the chips are lining up right now, what do your instincts tell you how this one will perform versus other ones that we've had in the past? Will this be on par, do you think? Will it be bigger? Will it be smaller? What are your instincts telling you? 
Um, let's put it this way. I'm positioned personally uh, with my investments for a relatively big uh, run in not just gold and silver, but in the mining stocks. Um, and the great thing I'll point out, by the way, Adam, is even if I'm wrong and others are wrong about price predictions for gold and silver for 2022, a lot of the companies that that I own and, and that are in the the uh, the GDX uh, Jeff portfolio in that video, a lot of those are not dependent on a higher gold or silver price. I don't buy them because, well, gold's going to move higher, so this stock's going to move higher. No. We're buying this stock because we think they're going to make a big discovery or they're going to grow a resource or um, they're about to go into production, you know, other reasons. And so uh, that's another great thing about where we are in the cycle is uh, even if gold and silver don't move higher, these stocks could potentially move a lot higher uh, if they're successful in their efforts. And so, you know, I picked the ones that I think have the best chance of being successful. So I think that's an important point to note. But again, in the big picture, um, you know, I'm, I'm positioned personally for a, a very big cycle. We've had a pause now in gold and silver. We've had a pause in the miners and the next leg up could be uh, very exciting. All right. Um, well, I'm glad you mentioned that. So there's there's something called beta and something called alpha when it comes to investing. Beta is sort of the return that the sector gives you based upon its prospects, um, and you can you know buy an index fund right that that just sort of owns all of the companies right and just ride the beta of the sector. And honestly, you know that's not a unwise thing to do when it comes to the miners because they've got really good prospects, and you can you can. It's the safer path, basically. Um, but uh, it, you know, what people are saying right now is the industry is, and Jeff, correct anything I'm saying if, if, if I'm mistaken here, but the industry is in general in a much better position than it's been in for years, maybe even several decades, where this used to be an industry that was kind of fraught with um, poor management who would uh, you know, take on way too much debt or issue way too many shares and dilute the uh the investors, um, you know, there was some you know, sketchy business practices, et cetera. And that's really been cleaned up a lot in the past decade. And now you have these companies that have uh, the best balance sheets they've had in a long time. They've got very uh, seasoned management um, and they are generating record cash flows at today's gold and silver prices. So it doesn't require a massive repricing of gold and silver for these companies to do well. They're actually already doing quite well. Um, so that's another you know, big reason to own this sector. Um, but then there's going after the alpha, which is what you're talking about, which is what is the additional return that an individual company could bring above and beyond the beta of the sector? And you know, this is hard to, to it's hard to separate the wheat from the chafe here because there are thousands of these companies. And what we always strongly recommend people do is if you're not highly experienced investing in this space yourself already better to ride the coattails of somebody who spends all their time analyzing the sector, talking to management, pouring through the financials, looking through the results from all the geological uh, reports that are coming out. Um, and you know that's something that you do. And there's other people that do this professionally that publish newsletters, et cetera. And we recommend that people find an expert they like. And then you know if they're gonna make individual picks, base them off of the intelligence of a, of a person like that. But it sounds like you're saying, again, even, not counting on an upward repricing of gold and silver, there is a lot of potential alpha out there with a lot of these better companies because they're bringing in, you know, 
an ex a developer into production, or um, they're getting really great drill results from a new area of exploration and might find that there's a, you know, much more gold there than people initially thought or et cetera. But there's, there's, there's still a way to get really good returns here, even if gold and silver don't catapult higher. But if they do, that obviously just adds a whole catalytic effect to this, the returns here, correct? Oh, absolutely. Uh, we're not saying that gold and silver aren't going to do well. We're saying they don't have to do well. Uh, and if they do, that will simply add more fuel to the fire for many of these stocks. Um, the core investment case with each individual company, though, isn't dependent upon that. That's really the point. Um, it's dependent upon them being successful at whatever they're doing here uh, for over the next year. So there could be a lot of alpha from them. Of course, higher gold and silver prices will help that as well. Um, yeah. All right. So so let's talk about alpha. And you, you kind of gave a nod to this in one of your earlier answers here. So um, one of the most common ETFs in uh, the precious metal sector is, is GDX, which is a fund that holds basically all of the gold and silver miners that are above a certain market capitalization. So it's a general sector index fund. Um, there's a similar one called GDXJ, which is basically all the gold and silver miners below a certain market capitalization level. These are the smaller companies. Um, they're more risky. And I should just underscore as well that the precious metals mining space is a risky space relative to most other sectors. Um, but the, the, the juniors uh, are much more uh, speculative and risky than the larger precious metals mining companies. Um, but again, you can hold a basket of those juniors, an industry basket of those juniors um, uh, through GDXJ. Now, Jeff, who is a seasoned precious metals mining analyst, has created his own index, which he's calling the GDX Jeff, which <laughs> is made up of a much smaller basket of, you know, sort of consider Jeff as his role is to separate the wheat from the chafe. Jeff is saying, hey, these are the gems here in the industry that I think have the best prospect going forward. And you've kind of put your neck out there a little bit, Jeff, and you've said, hey, I'm willing to have this basket get tracked against GDXJ this year. And I think my basket's gonna do a lot better. Um, you very kindly um, went through a very detailed presentation of the individual companies you have in that basket uh, at the uh, recent Wealthion online conference. And you very kindly agreed to make that available to the public Wealthion viewers who are now watching this video. Um, so in a few minutes, we'll tell them how to go watch that full presentation. But what can you tell us in general about your GDX Jeff basket? Yeah. So uh, GDXJ has been around a while and that's sort of a benchmark since I'm investing mostly in explorers and developers and things like that. Um, you know, that's sort of the benchmark. I want to beat that, the GDXJ ETF. If I'm not beating that, well, then I just might as well buy GDXJ. Um, so I started tracking it and I actually have a slide here that is in from the presentation um, that compares my portfolio uh, to the GDXJ. So the black bars there on the, in that left chart is GDXJ. The gold bars are, is basically my main mining portfolio over those time periods. So you can see in 2019, I outperformed it last year, or excuse me, 2020, um, I did, what is that, almost 4X of, of what GDXJ did. And last year, GDXJ was down and my portfolio was up. And then the chart on the right shows the cumulative performance of GDXJ since January 1st, 2019, 
uh, up 42%, and my port mining portfolio was up 255%. So, um, you know, I'm beating it, and that's, uh, you know, that's obviously what I want to do <laughs> is beat that because, you know, ETFs, uh, mining, the mining stock ETFs have both the good and bad in them, right? So um, I'm weeding out the, the ones that I think aren't so great or have higher risk and, and putting the ones in that still have some risk, but I think have greater potential. So, so what I did for this presentation was I just came up with my own basket of what I think is going to do better in 2022 than GDXJ. And I just called it the GDX Jeff and you can Pick which J you want to invest in. Uh, so that basket is there. It's it's ten stocks that I think have strong potential for this year. Um, our video came out what just two or three weeks ago, Adam. So the all the stocks, including GDXJ, are are actually down a little bit. So the opportunity is actually better now than it was two or three weeks ago. Um, but that portfolio is in that video, and I I I do like it. I'm pretty excited about it, and I I do think that. Uh, I will beat GDXJ uh, this year, uh, but we'll find out. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm sure that folks are chomping at the bit to figure out actually how to watch this video. So let me just tell them how to do it. You simply just go to wealthion.com slash GDXJeff, all one word. And you can watch that full presentation of Jeff's from uh, the conference that lists every one of those 10 stocks and his reasons for buying them and a lot of detail on each of those companies. It's a fantastic presentation. Um, Jeff, thanks so much, A, for putting that together, B, being willing to share that with our public audience here. Um, again, folks, uh, well, full disclosure, I own, I think I own all of the stocks in the GDF, GDX Jeff, so just trying mm -hmm. to be transparent there. But as you said, Jeff, I think for many of them, uh, the entry point is even better now than when that, that video initially aired at the conference. Um, as we wrap up here, Jeff, anything else that you uh, feel is germane to the, uh, the interested um, existing or potential uh, precious metals uh, investor to consider uh, going forward from here? Yeah. And full disclosure, I do own the stocks that are in that portfolio as well. But again, I own a lot more. The point is, these are the ones I think have the greatest potential in 2022. So I narrowed that basket from my portfolio down to the 10 that I think uh, have the best potential. So, but again, full disclosure, I do own them. But it, you, again, like we said, you can get a better price now and most of them, not all of them uh, now than when that video first aired. So uh, the other important point is, you know, this is a basket approach. So you can't pick just one that you like and say, oh, I'm just going to pick that one. I think it's going to do the best. Uh, that increases your risk. This is a basket approach. No one should ever buy just one mining stock. Um, if you take a basket approach, we think this basket is going to do better than the GDXJ. That's kind of the point. So just be aware that you do need to have some diversification in your portfolio. But uh, again, regardless of where gold and silver go, I think they're going higher. But even if I, I'm wrong about that in 2022, this portfolio could still do well if these companies uh, have some success, and I think uh, many of them will. All right, and, and just a reminder too that um, you know this is a risky space. Precious metals mining companies um, uh, buying the individual companies, you know, it's it does require that you pay attention to them. Um, a great way to stay on top of a lot of these companies is to follow Jeff on Twitter, and I'll ask him for his Twitter handle in just a second. But he oftentimes gives a lot of updates. Um, you know, pros and cons of what he sees for, uh, in going on in the companies that he, he tracks. Um, it's an easy free way to do it, but highly recommend, like I said, that you either subscribe to somebody's 
you know, newsletter or feed or whatever, um, so they can help you track uh, these companies going forward. And if you don't have any experience investing in the space before, I will reiterate my strong recommendation that you work under the guidance of a professional financial advisor uh, who can help guide you, uh, help you determine how much of your portfolio is appropriate for this. And for most people, it should be quite a small percentage of your portfolio, um, at least for the mining stocks. Um, and they can also um, help you craft, um, you know, ways to manage your risk, um, you know, so that if this your trades end up going against you, uh, there are ways that you can sort of buffer your exposure here. Um, if you want to talk to one of those advisors, just go to wealthion.com, fill out the for short form there, and we'll connect you with one of them. Um, all right, Jeff. So in terms of how people can follow you and your work and your thoughts on these companies, where should they go? Well, I think most people know I do work uh, with Mike Maloney at goldsilver.com. So our original research is published there. You can sign up for the newsletter. And yes, I do disclose all my personal buys, uh, mining stock picks um, on my Twitter handle, which is at the gold advisor. Uh, so you can follow me there. Adam, I forgot to mention one thing. There was, as you know, a, a 20 bagger candidate in this GDX Jeff portfolio, just one, but it was a brand new company. Um, hardly anyone's heard about it. Uh, and they do have drill, drilling news uh, that will be released, uh, could be any day now. Um, I can't tell you exactly when, um, but they're drilling on that on, on a project that is highly prospective. So if the drill news is good, you'd want to be into that stock before then. So I'm just mentioning that, uh, not to push anyone to, to subscribe, but just I just want people to be aware there could be news on that particular pick uh, here almost any day now. Okay. And what a cliffhanger to end this video on. All right, <laughs> folks. So if you're interested, go watch Jeff's presentation to learn what stocks are in his GDF Jeff's portfolio at wealthion.com slash GDX Jeff. Jeff, thanks so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Absolutely, Adam. We'll do it again.